Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, hour number three, final hour of the week, 14 hours up. Here comes hour number 15. Encourage all of you as we roll into the final weekend before Halloween. I went to a high school football game last night. I was driving home, Buck, and I was talking to my kids. I was, I, I, I can't believe, and I'm starting to sound like an old man, that Halloween is already here. But once you hit Halloween, then boom, you're on into Thanksgiving. It's early this year. It's Christmas. It's New Year's. My point here, go download the podcast. Go get the iHeartRadio app. You're going to be on the road. You're going to be running around a lot with friends and family. You may miss part of the show. You can take it with you wherever you go. Maybe you're going to be on the road for a long trip. A lot of long drives coming up uh, for the holiday season. Go ahead and get hooked up early. You can search out my name, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton. You can also... Go grab the fabulous work that's being done by Tudor Dixon and by Carol Markowitz. You are going to love their work as well. It's unique. It's original. It's in the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. Okay, Buck, we've talked a lot about Biden's hypocrisy on Charlottesville. All throughout this week, basically since October 7th has happened, we've seen an increasing number of people on the left who are uh, stridently anti-Israel. And we talked about that at the open of the uh, of the show today, the challenge that is out there for Joe Biden in terms of the far left in his community and how there's a big article about it in the Times, about how they're now rejecting Joe Biden and the pro-Israel policies of many traditional, I'll say, Democrats. But there's another story about Charlottesville uh, that I think we need to talk about and deserves a decent amount of attention because of the scary precedent that is being set here. So I am admittedly, Buck, a huge Civil War history nerd. I've said on this show before, I went in high school to Civil War sleepaway camp at Gettysburg College. I believe it's called the Civil War Institute. They study different aspects of the Civil War during the summer 
uh, bring in all these great uh, speakers who've written books about the Civil War. If you are a Civil War nerd, like I have been for much of my life, I basically live almost on the battlefield of Franklin in Tennessee, for those of you who are familiar with uh, Hood's campaign in 1864. Again, this is super nerding out. So I pay a lot of attention to the way that we talk about the Civil War and what is and is not permissible to even discuss surrounding the Civil War, much less memorialize. So in Charlottesville, there was a big, iconic statue that was, I think, Buck, a historical piece of art that was of uh, Robert E. Lee that was one of the foundational elements of the Charlottesville protest. Should that statue stay or go in the wake of the George Floyd BLM protest? And uh, that was really the fulcrum upon which everything Charlottesville spun. And my position on all of this has been add more. Um, if you don't like a statue, then tearing down a statue or tearing down a memorial uh, to me is exactly the wrong thing to do. It's what the Taliban does. It's what uh, the, uh, the, the the ISIS infidels would have done. When you don't like something and you tear it down and you cease to allow it to exist, you are sending a message about uh, what you believe is acceptable in terms of historical, in my opinion, discourse. So this video went viral yesterday, Buck. Not only did they tear down this statue, which is a, a, a monument in many ways to the artistic creation of the person who sculpted it, but they also then videoed it being uh, thrown into a furnace and completely obliterated. Um the fact they took down the statue, I think, was wrong. The fact that they then melted the statue is, I think, doubly wrong. The fact that they videoed it, Buck, being melted, is, I think, triply wrong and was designed to send a message about what is and what is not acceptable to even discuss in American society today. This was a major project. Uh, this group, uh, Swords into Plowshares, it's called, had been fighting to do this. There were numerous uh court you know court battles lawsuits over yeah swords into plowshares um and and they had been planning to do this for a long time and and what you can see is that there is a a a gleefulness in the because they have this video and there's you can see still frames of it a gleefulness in really the dissection and desecration of this statue like they cut off the head and show you the severed head of the statue of Robert E. Lee before they melt it down into just sort of bronze goo. Yes. Um, you know, what we've generally been told, and, and I'm reminded of the more recent controversy in New York City where they have a statue of Teddy Roosevelt that was in front of the Museum of Natural History. Which is, by the way, an iconic statue that they turned what was the movie they made night at the museum or whatever where uh like teddy roosevelt all everything kind of comes to life and everything else like this is a very well-known statue regardless of what you think of its auspices and it's gone and and this is this is another moment where you realize that the icono iconoclastic uh left here when it comes to historical artwork or or pieces of history that they find offensive, it, it always starts with a discussion of, well, maybe we can move it somewhere else. It belongs they, in a museum is one it, of the things that they say yeah. at the start. That's what I'm, I mean, that's what I'm going for, right? Like maybe we could just display it differently. So it's not in a public park. It's in a museum and in a museum, you can have the context. But the truth is they want to do what they did here, which is the 
ritualized melting down and erasure of this piece of art because they don't, uh, you know, because they, they despise or they, they, they find it offensive, um, that Robert E. Lee would have a statue anywhere because of his role as the primary general in the, in the Confederacy. Um, and, and this is where, I, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things to discuss just about this, Clay, although it shows people what the real end goal is and what they want to do. I, I don't understand how, if this is now the new normal or if this is going to be the direction of the country, what happens to the founding fathers? I mean, you really have to well, ask that question. Like what, what happens to statues of the founders? Many of whom were slaveholders. No, I mean, this doesn't end. This is one of the things that Trump got a hundred percent right, even though his, his statements surrounding Charlottesville were horribly mischaracterized. Um, uh, and, and, and again, Biden, I mean, they, they lied cited, about it. They, they yeah, knew, 100%. right? They lied about it. Yeah. And, and Biden cited those lies as his justification for why he needed to run for president. Um, so to your point, you're talking about New York City, Theodore Roosevelt. Didn't they just take Thomas Jefferson out of the New York City statuary, uh, the, the where the, the municipal yes. council or somebody like that? City meets? council. Yeah. There was a statue of Jefferson. Yep. And they said, this is unacceptable now. And at some point, and you guys are going to, some of you are going to think I'm crazy. Others of you are going to say, you know what? No, he's 100% right. At some point, there will be again a rising up and a demand. Hey, we got to tear down the Washington Monument. He owns slaves. Uh, we have to destroy the Jefferson Memorial. He, uh, he owns slaves too. Um, and let me, I write about this in the book because I spend a lot of time thinking about this as the history nerd, as someone who really legitimately likes to geek out, uh, reading about the Civil War because I think, uh, it, it is so integral to understanding America, uh, is to understand what actually happened in the Civil War and who the individuals involved were on both North and South. And look, I've even done the research buck. I, uh, my family is from, uh, obviously Tennessee and Kentucky, uh, which by and large are states that would have, uh, a lot of, uh, soldiers who fought on both sides, Kentucky in particular. I've got Union and Confederate soldiers in my, uh, family history. So, uh, so I, I, I feel like I can, you know, kind of look at it from both perspectives because Kentucky was a border state in particular where much of my Travis family is from. And people, uh, from that family fought on both sides, uh, north and south, depending on, uh, oftentimes what city they were in, what county they were in. I mean, the, the line was very tenuous, uh, in so many parts of the country about which side you fought on. And by the way, people don't understand this today because people have, as we've talked about on this show, almost no historical literacy, but 99.9% of people fought for their state. So it, it's not as if people were making, like, if you lived in, you know, southern Mississippi, you weren't sitting around debating what decision you were going to make. You went with your state. And if you grew up in northern Minnesota, you went with the state of Minnesota. It was actually considered to be a stain on your uh, soul in, in that era if you turned your back on your state, which was a lot more like your country oh. than it was anything else. Because a lot of people never left the state they were born in uh, in, in those yeah, areas. Yeah, the, the formation of our union was by states that voluntarily voluntarily became the United States of America. And, of course, the basis for the country was the separation, or in a sense the secession from Great Britain and King George because of tyranny, right? So Correct. there was a, uh, a, a different historical context and certainly a different historical thinking. Uh, that's not to say that slavery wasn't obviously front and center in the uh, in the debate about all this stuff, but there were people who fought 
I mean, I think what, what's the stack lay? I think it's, um, 3% of Southerners own 97% of the, of the slaves. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. I mean, a, a time, about one in 50 Confederate soldiers actually own slaves. I mean, so, as a way to like 2% basically. And, and, and I guess there's, there's this question of what is now an acceptable depiction of anybody who had any part of the Confederacy. And, and the answer is right now, um, based on the, on the trends and the way that the, the left and political correctness are going, a Democrat party and, and some Republicans too, is, uh, it, it does not, it really is to be treated the same way that Nazi memorabilia is. That's, that's yeah. effectively the standard. And, and again, I, I sit here and I say, I don't know where this ends. And I don't think, I, well, rather, I think I know where they want to take it. I know that it doesn't end with the Confederacy. That's right. And, and, and one of the things, you know, I, I mentioned that I live in Franklin, Tennessee, and I wrote about this in American Playbook because I spent a lot of time thinking about this in the wake of, uh, all of this craziness, uh, to tear down monuments and statues and everything else. Um, they added Buck. So we have in downtown Franklin, there's a beautiful downtown, uh, just we're 20 miles south of Nashville or so for people who don't understand the geography. There is a Confederate memorial, um, statue, which is not uncommon in many different, uh, southern small towns. Uh, they have a variety of monuments and memorials, and one of them is to, and I mentioned we actually had a battle here, uh, but they have a Confederate soldier standing in the town square. And there were controversies about that. It's been since, there since 1890, uh, I think. So, I mean, this is a, this is a relic, I would say, historical object at this point. They added a big statue buck of a, uh, to honor black soldiers who were freed and fought for the North. So I, I just re- and, and it's right on the square as well. And I think that was uniquely intelligent because what really you're arguing when you tear down things is that there isn't, there isn't an opportunity for greater historical context. And my argument as someone who majored in history is I would always want more history Instead of less, instead of arguing about what can exist, why don't we create more? And so to me, when you're saying, oh, we've got to tear down this, I would much rather create a world where we're building more historical, uh, uh, representation and also where the, where the world and the country and certainly kids in this country are more historically literate. I mean, we have, I think, Buck, one of the biggest issues we have is we have created goldfish generations where they can only recognize and remember things that happen in a very short period of time. And as a result, you respond emotionally to everything and you lack the appropriate context to consider it. And one of the things that's frustrating to me about history right now, how often do you see those knuckleheads on MSNBC talking about, we've talked about this buck. Hey, if, Trump wins this election, American democracy is over, and they just totally forget everything that's happened before. So I think yeah. this is the wrong precedent to be set. History gives you an incredible context for understanding how durable this country has actually been. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't get viewers and clicks on MSNBC. Trump ending democracy is a much better uh, business play for them. We'll get back into this here in just a second. You know, you worked hard to build your retirement savings. You deserve an investment. That delivers consistent returns without compromising your financial security. Phoenix Capital Group wants to help fuel your growth. You can invest in their corporate bonds through your 401k and IRA to start earning tax-deferred annual returns ranging from 9 to 13%. There are multiple options with different rates and terms to choose from. 
Phoenix Capital Group is providing investors a new high-yield option investing in domestic energy assets. Start earning these high yields and learn more about multiple offerings today at phxonair.com. Learn more by downloading the free investment packet today at phxonair.com. You can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 13% annual interest. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today. The supply chain of smarts, sanity, and truth. Uninterrupted. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast. You can search out my name, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton. You can also search out a couple of our podcast network names that I think you guys would enjoy. Tudor Dixon, uh, who you have heard many times on this program, uh, as well as Carol Markowitz, who also does really great work. You can find their shows within our show, Podcast Network, and you will enjoy those as well as hopefully this one. 
It's interesting. You know, I've had people the first time since 9-11 and the war on terror, people have been commenting on social media that I shouldn't say we when we talk about America. I wasn't allowed to say this then, but I just don't care now. I am an American and I report as an American and I think about America's interests when I support. You know, back on 9-11, they wouldn't let us at ABC News wear a flag pin. I always thought that was wrong. I'm an American. I'm worried about the American hostages. I'm worried about our interests. Um, and that's one aspect of why I care. I gotta say, I had never, speaking about symbols and, and, and history and context, I had never heard before that at ABC News, after 9-11, they didn't allow anchors to wear, that's from, uh, from Chris Cuomo, uh, who's at, I guess what, News Nation now, right? That it actually seems somewhat reasonable there now. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, and look, CNN is a corrupting influence on anyone's mind and soul. I can say that. I mean, if you stay there long enough, uh, but, but that's such an interesting, uh, rule to me because Clay, what it shows is that ABC News at that time, 2001, thought that somehow their journalists stood apart from their Americanness. Yeah. Like you can be an American journalist who's not really American. You're a journalist first, which goes really to the, you know, some of the, the absurd left wing thinking that pervades our media. Yeah. I guess maybe their argument at that time, Buck, was that the American lapel pin was extremely political. Times opinion editor about how she got uncomfortable when she went to Long Island because there were too many American flags. All the American flags. flags. Yeah, no, Americanness makes our liberal elites uncomfortable. That's really the, they pretend sometimes when they need votes, but it if makes If you them see someone in an American flag t-shirt, they almost 100% vote Republican. It's crazy that's the case now. Uh, let's talk towels. My pillows introduced a new line, crazy comfy. Right now you can get a six piece set of those new towels for as little as $29.98. When you use our names, Clay and Buck, as your promo code, you can get the designer premium line just 20 bucks more. That's 50% in savings made with a super absorbent cotton. You're going to love them. To find the offer online, go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener special square. Check out the new My Towel six-piece towel sets, 50% off in savings. Here's how you do it. Enter the promo code Clay and Buck. You can also call 800-792-3269 for this special and many more. I promise you're going to love these My Towels. Make sure and use our code Clay and Buck. Dive in today. Go check it out, MyPillow.com. The code is Clay and Buck. Just step right into some scintillating towels and make your weekend even better than it otherwise would be by putting in Clay and Buck at MyPillow.com. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Hope all of you are having a fantastic Friday as we roll right into the weekend. Okay, it's not who I was hoping it was going to be, Buck. I've been saying for some time that you look at the probability, you look at the analytics, somebody out there in the Democrat Party who sees how insanely unpopular Joe Biden is would make the decision to enter the race and actually challenge him. And I know Marianne Williamson's out there. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has bailed. and He's now going to be running as a third-party candidate. But I thought we would get someone who would step forward and then the dam would break and there would be several other people coming. You know, this is not who I was anticipating. I don't know this guy at all. We talked about how most people are not familiar with the new Speaker of the House. Uh, I would imagine even fewer of our audience knows who Dean Phillips is. He's a Democrat from Minnesota, and he's in the House, and he has announced that he is challenging President Biden in the primary. Here is that announcement. Listen. Are you running for president? I am. I have to. I think President Biden has done a spectacular job for our country, but it's not about the past. 
This is an election about the future. I will not sit still. I will not be quiet in the face of numbers that are so clearly saying that we're going to be facing an emergency next November. Buck, this is not going to rattle the Biden uh, team to their core. It is a sitting Republican House member that almost no one knows who is challenging him. Is this it? In your mind, is this the only actual challenge that Joe Biden's going to get in the primary from a sitting Democrat office holder? I, I wouldn't even view this as a as a real challenge. This is a recognition that there is enough space in the news cycle for someone to insert themselves and create greater ra- uh, name recognition because, uh, as we've been discussing all along, there is a an absolute certainty that you're going to have an open field in 2028, meaning if, even if Donald Trump wins, Joe Biden will not be running for president in four years You know, after. He will not be running in 2028, so you'll have an open field. And now all of a sudden, uh, Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips is a name that slightly more people will have heard. Um, I, I think that... You know, he's recognizing a few things. One is uh, the weak, the weak numbers that Biden has. And, and as I keep saying, I, I want to feel really good about those weak numbers, but they haven't done all the things they're going to do to try to swing them in Biden's favor. And that, that apparatus is considerable. Um, but the, the numbers are certainly weak. Biden is definitely too old. There, there's also a, an age battle that's playing out, not just, let's be honest, on the Democrat side, but on the Republican side of political leadership as well. We had, um, Congress, I mean, uh, Senator Scott on, and he said straight up, he challenged Mitch McConnell and yeah. people think Mitch McConnell's too old. And, and, you know, I, I do think that enough people have seen that letting these politicians just sort of age, age out of office means that you're going to have Feinstein situations where people are truly not of sound mind, but casting votes that affect the American people anyway. Uh, and that's wrong. I mean, it's wrong. It's, it's unethical. So the age issue is something else that he's capitalizing on here. Um, because he's right. Uh, because Joe Biden is too old. And, you know, I think that there are a lot of people that will make an exception for Trump because of his vitality, vigor and focus. But as a general matter, age wise, I think he's too old to be president as well. For him, we'll make an exemption or an exception, but. You know, you don't want people who are 80 running the country. Here's a, a crazy stat on that, Buck. I was reading this morning. George W. Bush is throwing out the opening pitch for game one of the World Series. He used to be a partial owner of the Texas Rangers. People out there, Texas Rangers playing the Arizona Diamondbacks. George W. Bush is younger than Trump and Biden. Bill Clinton, I believe, is younger than Trump and Biden. I mean, when you really think about how long ago it feels like Bill Clinton and George W. Bush were presidents of the United States, and they're both still younger, that's pretty wild. But, Buck, what I was expecting here is just some game theory. You're right. In 2028, and you can grab this prediction, I think there will be 20-plus Republicans and 20-plus Democrats all running for president of the United States because there's not going to be an incumbent no matter what happens and uh, based on the way things are looking right now. And that means it'll be an absolute free-for-all. Everybody's going to throw their hat in and say, why not? But the probability of you winning when there are 20 contenders is way lower 
then the probability is of you winning if it's you versus Biden or if it's you versus Biden and some other little-known congressperson. That's why I'm surprised that a J.B. Pritzker or a Gretchen Whitmer or a Gavin Newsom, Pritzker in particular, Buck, he's a billionaire. He could fund his entire campaign. I'm surprised. He doesn't need to raise money from all the rich people. I'm surprised that from a probabilistic perspective, as weak as Biden is, Somebody didn't say now's the time to go. Um, it's, I mean, I'll go back to what my assessment has been here all along for over a year, which is that the Democrat party has a, a much more rigid and strictly enforced hierarchy internally, uh, when it comes to things like this than, than we do on the right. You know, people on the right like to get into who's the, who's the rhino fights. Democrats want power. And, and the power of incumbency is, I just think, so much. It's so, it's so, um, potent that they haven't been willing to really get behind anybody who would challenge Biden in a meaningful way. But a couple of fun things about this guy. Now I'm, I'm learning about, uh, about this guy, Phillips, Dean Phillips. You know that he's the heir to a Minnesota liquor fortune, but also a lot of grand... drinking in Minnesota. Those winters are long. So that's probably yeah. a good business to be in. The grandson of Abigail Van Buren. The late advice columnist known as Dear Abby. So, so he's related to the Dear Abby. They still column. run Dear Abby, Buck. I, again, this is me being an, uh, an old man newspaper reader. Dear Abby's archive columns are still regularly featured in newspapers all over the country. I think, I hope I'm, well, I don't want her to be dead, but I think she's been dead for some time. It right? said late, it said late columnist. So yeah. yes, I, I don't think so they meant I, that she wasn't on time. I, I I don't want to prematurely uh, say that someone's dead, but I think she's been dead for like 10 or 15 years, and they still run her columns because she basically answered every possible question that could exist under the sun, and a lot of them retain their uh, their relevancy even 15 or 20 years later. Dean Phillips, and, and by the we should mention this. Maybe we should get somebody on from New Hampshire. The New Hampshire Democrat primary has turned into a mess. I don't believe Joe Biden's name is going to be on it. Have you paid attention to some of this mess? Like, because he wants South Carolina first. Yeah, they're trying to change the order. But New Hampshire is saying, no, we're not going to give up our first-in-the-nation primary status. Still going to exist that way for Republicans, because remember, Iowa's yeah. a caucus. But can, I don't think we, Biden's just, name's going to be on the ballot. It, it will not. President Biden, this is this is CBS News two days ago, will be the first sitting White House occupant in history not to appear on the primary ballot of his party in New Hampshire next year. The president's reelection campaign informed, this is a CBS reporting, informed New Hampshire Democrats Tuesday in a letter obtained uh, from Biden campaign officials that while he'd like to appear on the ballot, Mr. Biden is obligated as a Democrat candidate for president to comply with the delegate selection rules for the 2024 Nat- Democrat National Convention. So... Um, South Carolina will be the first state to hold the primary again, Clay. This, this is them trying to say, guys, knock it off. South Carolina was Biden's, you know, firewall stronghold. Uh, you know, that was the, that was the turning point for him the last time. They're going right to South Carolina this time to be like, see, Joe still got it. Yeah, and also, don't mistake what's going on here. They're saying there are too many white people in Iowa and New Hampshire. That's why the argument is they're putting South Carolina first. Now, it also has the benefit of being the state that elevated Joe Biden, and it also eliminates New Hampshire as a potential trip-up in some ways because he can say, well, I'm not dodging it. This is just where the actual 
uh, primary season is starting. But remember, New Hampshire and Iowa voters, the people who actually get to look you in the eye, meet you oftentimes multiple times, they judge Joe Biden. And I think he came in, I need to just jot this down and memorize it, but I believe he came in like fifth in Iowa and fifth in New Hampshire or sixth in Iowa and fifth in New Hampshire. I mean, he was dead in the water from people who actually make decisions and look and shake hands and judge face-to-face candidates on whether they're up to the job of president or not. And it all turned around very rapidly, and it turned around in South Carolina, so this is why they've changed this. But it will be interesting to see how it is handled that there will be. What this means is there's going to be a winner of the New Hampshire. There's an opportunity for somebody here, Clay. Dean Phillips has to win it, right? Is it Dean Phillips? Did I get his name wrong there? No, no, yeah, that's right. But I'm saying (laughs) someone is going to get the opportunity to, you know, if they can get on that ballot, uh, to be the winner of the New Hampshire primary for the Democrats in 2024. So, you know, I I think it is about, yeah, it's name recognition, obviously, but it's also about setting a narrative because, you know, are are people going to remember that really that you won by default? Kind of. But you get to go around saying you won the New Hampshire primary, so maybe you're a guy that should get a little bit more of a look. And if Biden were to lose, I would imagine Dean Phillips will come out and say, I was the only Democrat who told you that Biden was going to lose and that we needed a new candidate, and so this is why you should support me in 2028. I don't think it'll matter, but I'm sure that will be part of the argument. I, I, I guess they're saying now that Biden will still win because people will just, like, I guess they'll they'll write him in. Is the way this is supposed to go? I, I, we need to get somebody who's an expert on this. It's super weird and it has not gotten very much attention what they're doing in terms of rewriting the organization of, uh, of the primary calendar and even how those delegates would be alloc- uh, allocated. Cause you've got, you got Biden campaign manager here, Julie Rodriguez wrote to New Hampshire Democrats, the president looks forward to having his name on New Hampshire's general election ballot as the nominee of the Democrat party. Uh, after officially securing the nomination of the 2024 Democratic National Convention. Um, so, okay. So he'll be on, that's the general election right. though. Yeah. So they're saying like we, but remember New Hampshire is also a toss up state. I wonder if this, you know, by and large, it's one of the eight or nine states. I wonder if this is going to hurt him going forward. But then you have New Hampshire state Democrat party chairman tweeting in response. The reality is that Joe Biden will win the New Hampshire first the nation primary in January. Win renomination in Chicago and will be reelected next November. But how is he gonna, how is he gonna win if he's not on the, on the ballot? Well, he's gonna I, win the general. I, I, again, I want an expert no, in they, what's they, going on. But this on is with the it. guy saying the primary. This is the state Democrat party chairman saying he's still gonna win the first in nation primary in January. I, I don't know how they're, I don't know. Again, this is a total mess and I don't think most people have paid attention to the reconfiguration of the Democrat primary calendar that has happened. And it doesn't even make any sense to me. But it's based yeah. on the fact that Iowa and New Hampshire are too white. It's also going to be a crazy year in politics in general. So I'm not even sure this is going to be like one of the one of the biggest stories. We'll see what happens in New Hampshire. You know, over the years, how many photos have you kept and stored away somewhere? Would you wager to guess 100, maybe 200, 1,000 or more? How about digitizing all those photos? Look, it's probably time, right? particularly before the coloring on those photos starts to fade, they get torn, or you just lose them somewhere. So get in touch with Legacy Box, the number one digital transfer for videos, photos, and film in the world. They've got a great new, inexpensive way for you to digitally transfer all those photos for you at a great price. Get your family's photos professionally scanned for less than $0.10 per photo, 
and as low as seven cents depending on how big your collection is. You can trust Legacy Box. They've worked with a million and a half families over the last decade with great facilities in Clay's home state of Tennessee. In just a few weeks' time, they'll digitize each photo by hand and ship them all back to you along with brand new digital files. It's a great service, and the result is that now you see and share all those photos again. Visit LegacyBox.com slash Buck to get 200 photos scanned starting at just $19.95. That's LegacyBox.com slash B-U-C-K. Have fun with the guys on Sundays. The Sunday Hang Podcast. It's silly, it's goofy, it's good times. Find it in the Clay and Buck Podcast feed on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. All right, everybody, before we send you off for your weekend here, they're, they're going after one of Clay's favorite holidays, to be sure. Uh, there are schools, of course, woke schools, that are getting rid of Halloween parties because they think that Halloween parties are not sufficiently inclusive. I, I, I don't understand. South Orange Maplewood School District believes ending Halloween celebrations will help them move forward in building equity, fostering inclusion, and building a sense of belonging throughout the schools. Clay, I mean, anyone, you're a big Halloween guy. You're, I know right now you are in full 
full Halloween prep. We are having a monster party tomorrow. Uh, No pun intended there. That's kind of a dad joke, maybe. Monster party tomorrow. Lots of people are going to be dressed up. The amount we've got a tent in the backyard. Uh, We've got all sorts of uh, of liquor, beer, like all piled up. It's all costumes, all adults. Yes, we're all in. We got all sorts of decorations too. So you're a big Halloween guy, and yet they're trying to say that Halloween is insufficiently inclusive. I I, I could I don't understand. There's the basis for Halloween. I mean, yeah, you go back, and I and people are going to say, oh, and you know, All Saints Day, and the there's the sort of a Christian thing, and then there's the pagan. Forget about the history of it for a second. The way that it's actually practiced today is that everyone gets to dress up like something, and you could always do a creative costume. Yeah. You know, I mean, how hard is it to just put on a couple of fake vampire teeth and say, you know, I want to drink your blood? Right? Uh, yeah. Like, I get if you don't want kids to dress up at um at school. Like, I don't know how common that is, Um, you know, as I think through it. I don't think it should be banned if a kid wants to come in his or her costume of choice. Um, but it, this is just fun, right? And it feels to me like more than anything right now, people just would like to have fun, right? I, I feel like there is a deep wellspring of awfulness that seems to infect everything right now. And when you take away things that are uniquely fun, kids get candy and everybody gets to dress up and have a good time. And to your point, it doesn't have to cost that much to have a costume. Uh, even, I mean, look, the the quality of costumes is so infinitely much better than when you and me, Buck, used to walk around and like, uh, With like you, a bed you know, sheet, you know, <laughs> around your neck that yes. you've, you know, and, and that's your, your cape for your Dracula costume or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you used to think you looked pretty good in those plastic costumes that were such, you know, like uncomfortable crap. You couldn't breathe through the masks and everything else. And, you know, I walk into a Costco now and for like $15, you know, you can be basically Superman. You got all the fake muscles and everything else. Um, I, I just, I, I think we need more reasons to have fun. Uh, and less reasons to be offended and upset about now, something that could be fun. Uh, we don't have we don't have a lot of time before we send everybody off. I just want to know what is your best ever to date? Because I'm sure tomorrow you're going to have quite a, an unveiling. What is your best costume in your mind thus far? I think when we went, my wife and I went as Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen. I think that was a uh, that was a solid combo because I've done a lot of couple costumes now. We've been married for a long time. We're usually connected. I don't know if I've put on a Halloween costume in. It's definitely been a death. This does not surprise me at all. Yeah. <laughs> what What are you saying, sir? If you were that? like, oh, I love Halloween. I've dressed up 26 consecutive years. That would have blown my mind. Uh, I would have been far more surprised. When's the last time Carrie dressed up your wife? I bet, I bet I she got, dressed I got, up like I two ask years her. ago. I, she might have. I'll, I'll ask her. I'll find out. I'll let you know. Have a great uh, party, Clay. Uh, my best do. fan. And everybody have a very happy, safe, fun Halloween. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University.
Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.